Hey everyone, welcome to Grace Community Church of Willow Street's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how to be more engaged with our church, check us out online at gccws.net, or you can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message, and we are praying that it leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Go before the Lord in prayer. God, we just want to thank you for being such a a loving and caring God who welcomes relationship with us and invites us to come into your presence and spend time with you. And we thank you that we can do that together here this morning. And I pray that throughout our week, we will have many more opportunities to do that on our own private time, whether we're just talking with you or reading your word. But we thank you that you invite us into that space with you, and that we can do that anytime, thanks to Jesus. We're so appreciative of that. And as we're here this morning, we just want to take a moment to bring our hearts before you and everything that's in them. Every worry, every sin, and every broken peace, every hope and dream. We can't enjoy the, the blessings of following you if we're holding pieces of ourselves back and if we're trying to hold control over our lives. So I pray that you would help us to give you all of ourselves because you know best and you know us best. We know it becomes so easy to be distracted by the things of the world and to even let good things become idols. I pray that as we follow you that you will be our primary focus. And please reveal to us if we are seeking fulfillment in anything but you. And Lord, I pray for our hearts that you will bring healing and restoration Convict us of our sins and show us the beauty of relationship with you. We ask that you be our healer and our comforter. Lord, we pray for the brokenness that's seen also around the world and even the chaotic war between Russia and Ukraine. I pray that you will bring an end to this war. We know that you are a just God and I pray that you will deal with the evil that has been brought on. We ask for a special hand of protection and endurance on the Ukrainian refugees who are seeking safety. We ask that you turn their eyes to you and give them a special peace through their struggles. And Lord, give the other world leaders wisdom and guidance on what they're to do along with the Ukrainian president as they seek out peace and the best for those who are being put in harm's way. We especially ask, Lord, that you strengthen the witness of the church over in Ukraine and that you will be illuminated like never before. Give protection and courage and endurance to the Christians there so that they can lead the Ukrainians closer to you and also that those in Russia will see who you are as well. Lord, we pray against evil, but we also pray that you will transform hearts, soften them, and lead everyone to you, Lord, and no matter who they are or where they're from. God, we know that it's easy to become hard-hearted and uncaring towards those that we may consider our enemies and, and those who live and do evil things. But we ask, Lord, that we will be seeking to show them you because we know that we want to do what pleases you and we want what pleases you to please us as well. And, and Lord, we ask that you will soften hearts and bring anyone to you, Lord, that we interact with. Lord, I pray that as we do this and 
as we seek out what pleases you, we'll be praying for those to turn their hearts towards you. We know, Lord, that you have a way of working that like no one else can and, and that you can soften hearts. And do that for us and do that for those who have not yet found you. And I pray that we can show your gospel to others. Lord, in addition to this, I pray that you'll be with our GCC-supported missionaries, BJ and Rachel Whitaker, and who serve in Spain. And as they plan to travel home this year, I pray that you will give them safety and guidance as they reconnect with family and friends, and that you will bless their continued ministry that's here in the States during this time. We thank you for their example and their dedication to spreading your word. And I pray that you will guide us and reveal to us how we can take part in spreading the gospel, whether that's in our everyday context or if you are calling us somewhere else. Help us to be sensitive to your voice, Lord. And we thank you for holding our heavy hearts. And I pray that as we hear from your word today that you will be speaking to our hearts and that we will be willing listeners to the Holy Spirit. Help us to find our daily joy in you. We lift this all up to you, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. If you'll join me, we'll be reading today from Luke 9, 57 to 62. And it says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Andrew. In prayer and reading the Word of God, we are in a series. If you're new here at Grace Community Church, we're in a series of sermons entitled The Unfiltered Jesus. And what we're doing is we're traveling through the Gospels and we're unpacking portions of Jesus' teaching that are hard to understand and sometimes even hard to swallow. Those that you read in your devotional time, or maybe you hear them read, and you say, what in the world does that mean, and what does that mean for me in my life as I walk with the Lord? So today, I want to open today's sermon with a question. Are you a fan or a follower of Jesus? Are you a fan or a follower of Jesus? Borrowing language from Pastor Kyle Eidelman, who wrote an excellent little book in 2011, I ask you again, are you a fan or are you a follower of Jesus? A fan is one who enthusiastically admires another. A follower is someone who is completely committed to another. During his three years of public ministry, Jesus had a lot of fans. And in fact, Jesus has a lot of fans today as well. If you read the scriptures, you know that he drew large crowds. He attracted many spectators. People were enthusiastic in their admiration of Jesus. As long as he was performing miracles and preaching against the sins of other people, everybody was in favor of Jesus. But when he began to preach sermons that were close to home, when he was convicting about our own issues and our own sin, 
Well, that was when Jesus drew the proverbial line in the sand and when he began to invite his fans to become his followers. We see it very clearly in the three encounters that were read today by Andrew in Luke chapter 9. Three men are interested in following Jesus. The first and the third men actually approach Jesus and they ask him, can I follow you? The first one said to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. Very enthusiastic, very excited to pronounce that to Jesus. The third man came and said, I'll follow you, Lord. I will follow you. The man in the middle, he was invited by Jesus to follow him, but notice he didn't say no to Jesus. What he and the other two men did say, and how Jesus responds to what they said, however, reveals to us what it really means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. As we study this passage of Scripture today, there is something I want to say before we get too far. And that is that when you study Scripture and you're reading the responses of Jesus to people, there are times that you sit back and say, man, that response doesn't seem to fit the situation. Or like Jesus' response isn't exactly what that man was saying. And what you need to remember is that in his absolute perfection, Jesus not only responds to the content of someone's words, but he also responds to the intent of their hearts. Now, friends, we can't do that. There is not one person in this room who can accurately respond to the intent of anybody's heart because you can't read their intent. As well as you might know someone, you might only be, I don't know, you might only be right half the time, but, but I don't even want to try to endeavor to read someone's heart. I don't know your motives. I don't know your intent, but Jesus does. And so as we read through Luke chapter 9, remember that he is responding to both the content of the words that he's hearing, but also the intent of the hearts of the men that he's interacting with in Luke chapter 9. For example, notice in verse 57 that a man approaches Jesus and he's walking along the road, and we know from Matthew chapter 8 that this man is a teacher of the law, meaning that he knows the word of God as it is written in the Old Testament scriptures. He knows the facts about God and his relationship with his people called Israel. And so he enthusiastically approaches Jesus, and he says to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus' reply is an interesting one. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus, did you hear what this man just said? He said he wants to follow you wherever you go. He wasn't talking about foxes. He wasn't talking about birds. What are you saying, Jesus? Jesus is reading the intent of this man's heart. He sees this man as an enthusiastic man, a man who wants to follow Jesus, but probably hasn't counted the cost, hasn't considered the potential discomfort from following Jesus. After all, this is the newest rabbi in town. I want to be one of his followers. I want to climb aboard and, and I want to go with him without realizing that in addition to the benefits there are sacrifices. And so Jesus' response to him is one of discomfort when he says, well, listen, understand this. If you follow me, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but 
the Son of Man, he doesn't have any place to lay his head. So, second man comes to Jesus. Again, in verse 59, this man comes up, but Jesus this time says to him, follow me. The man makes what appears to be, and frankly, in my opinion, a very reasonable request of Jesus, that he be permitted to go and bury his father. And in a stunning reply, Jesus says to this man, let the dead bury the dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And part of us wants to say, Jesus, did you do any kind of grief share training? I mean, this is not exactly the way you respond to someone who says that they want to bury their father. But what you have to understand is that most scholars believe that this was not a response of, my dad just died, I need to go and have the funeral and bury him, but a response of, Jesus, I'll follow you but I need to wait a while until my dad dies and I can bury him. Sort of like when Mike Sigmund was called to the ministry in 1980, had I said to Jesus, you know, Jesus, I'll go into the ministry, I'll follow you, I'll do what you want me to do, but we've got to wait till my dad dies and I can bury him out at Conestoga Methodist Cemetery, and then after he's buried, I'll follow you. And that would have been a 27-year wait until my father had passed away. I'll get back to you after the funeral, this man said to Jesus. And Jesus said in his reply, no, do it now. Do it now. Thirdly, in verse 61, a man approaches Jesus about becoming his follower, but this approach is marked by a bit of hesitation, hesitation and reluctance. I will follow you, this man says. I'll follow you, Lord, but first... Let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Now, that request is also very reasonable. I want to go home and kiss my mom and, and shake the hand of my dad and tell my brothers and sisters that I'll see them later. But remember that Jesus, when he responds to this man, doesn't just respond to the content of his words. He responds to the intent of his heart. And so Jesus, listening to this man's desire to go back and say goodbye to his family, responds with an interesting farming illustration when he says, listen, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Apparently, Jesus saw in this man's heart some level of reluctance and hesitancy, and no matter how logical the reason may be, it betrayed in this man a half-hearted commitment to Jesus. And so here is what Jesus heard this man say. I'll follow you, but. I'll follow you, but. I'll follow you, but. Now, let's put these three follow-me encounters together. And I want to ask a question today. What is Jesus teaching us about being his follower? What is Jesus teaching us about being his follower? I want to suggest that there are three truths that come out of these three encounters. And the very first truth is this. When you follow Jesus, comfort isn't guaranteed. When you follow Jesus, comfort isn't guaranteed. Now remember that the first man is very enthusiastic. He is, he is like a fan of Jesus. Man, Jesus, I really love you. I want to follow you. I'll go wherever you go. Foxes have holes. 
Birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus is referring to the sacrificial life that he was living for the sake of the world. He was referring to the fact that his life was not an easy life, that his life had a lot of discomfort attached to it. And he was referring to the fact that if we choose to follow Jesus, we need to be prepared for discomfort as well. Now, here's what I believe is happening in this passage. First of all, I believe that Jesus is rebuking a health and wealth gospel, a prosperity gospel. I don't know if you ever heard that gospel before, but it works something like this. If you come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, he's the King of Kings. When you come to know him as your personal Lord and Savior, King of Kings, and he adopts you into his family, you become a prince or a princess. Therefore, everything that he has is available to you, and he doesn't want you to ever struggle financially, so he will make you wealthy. And he doesn't ever want you to struggle physically, so he will make sure that you never get sick. A health and wealth gospel, a prosperity gospel, that promises that if you follow Jesus, you will always be wealthy, you will always be healthy. And you know that is nowhere in the Bible, nowhere to be found in the scriptures, because it simply isn't true. It simply isn't true. Now, I understand that one way to build a church, one way to be a popular pastor, is to stand up and say, now listen, if you simply pray this prayer and receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, your life is going to be an easy life. He's just going to take care of you, and you're just going to have troubles or trials or difficulties. Your kids will be the best behaved kids in school. Your children will never talk back to you. Your girls will only date those boys that you pick out for them. And when it comes to, yeah, somebody said, oh my goodness, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> hey, I raised four, so yeah, I know. And if I would stand up here and I would tell you that by trusting Jesus Christ, this is what your life will be, I will have lied to you. I will have tried to bring you into the kingdom of God under false pretenses. I will have sold you a bill of goods on which I cannot deliver. Because here's what the truth is. The rain falls in the just and the unjust. That's what James says in the word of God. You know, back in 2017, we had a massive hailstorm in our neck of the woods over in Smoketown. A massive hailstorm. Some of you here live in that neck of the woods, and you know what that was. Listen, I noticed that the homes of believers got hit the same way the homes of the unbelievers did. Jesus didn't say, now let's just make sure that the hail hits the homes of those who aren't yet related to a church, but let's spare the homes of those who go to it. He didn't say that. Because here's the reality. People who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ are diagnosed with cancer. And people who don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ 
are diagnosed with cancer. People who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ have friends and family that make dumb decisions and poor judgments, get themselves into a heap of trouble. People who do believe and don't believe have that same dynamic happening. In fact, people who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ make dumb decisions sometimes, and people who don't. The reality is, I can't stand here, and Jesus refused to promise a perfect, comfortable life if you follow him. Now you say, Mike, what are you doing here? You ought to offer something. Okay, here's what I can offer to you. This is what I can promise you. If you follow Jesus Christ, you may not have all the comforts of life, but you will have the help and the hope and the power of God at work in your life to face whatever comes in your life. And it is the proverbial, I don't know what I would do without Jesus in my life. I want to tell you that when I faced heartache in my life and difficulty in my life and, and trouble in my life, and we have, as a family, over the years, faced all of those things just as you have, it is an absolutely true statement. I don't know how we would have faced any of that had Jesus Christ not been the Lord and Savior of our lives. He gave us the help that we needed just when we needed us, needed it. He planted hope in our hearts so that when, when the days looked a little dark, have you ever had days that look a little dark? That on those days, we had someone we could cry out to, and let me tell you something, he is listening and he will help you. And he plants hope in your heart, and there's this power that is resonant in you. He is called the Holy Spirit of God. And I want to tell you something, I can't stand here today and guarantee you comfort in life, but I can guarantee you that if you follow Jesus Christ, you will have resonant help, hope, and power at work to face come what may in your life. That's the truth of God's Word. Secondly, when it comes to following Jesus, don't wait, follow now. Don't wait, follow now. Following Jesus when it's more convenient to your schedule or lifetime is simply not an option. When Jesus says, follow me, he means do it now. He doesn't mean put off for to today what you, you could do. Don't put it off. Don't put it off to tomorrow. Don't put it off to next week. Don't put it off till you're 80 years old and think, well, now I've lived my life and now I can follow Jesus. Follow him now. In Luke chapter 9, the second man who said, you know, I need to bury my father, it was a reasonable request. But I never quite understood that request, so I started to dig down. I wanted to know more about that. And, and this is what I learned, that, that for a Jewish man to bury his father was one of the highest and holiest responsibilities that he had. The burial of your father was so high and holy that during the time when you were preparing for and conducting the funeral and the burial, you were exempt from daily prayers. You were exempt from the word of God. You were exempt, if it was during Passover, from Passover preparation because your greatest obligation in life 
was to honor your father by making sure he had an appropriate burial. And Jesus comes out of the gate and against that, and he says, listen, let the dead bury the dead because your greatest obligation isn't to bury your father. Your greatest obligation is to follow me. It takes precedent over everything else you do in life. So I want to ask you today, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? First of all, do you have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ? As you sit here today, do you know with absolute confidence that your sins are forgiven and that you have a new and eternal life with Jesus? As you sit here today, now listen to me. Can you look back on a time in your life when you crossed over that line, when you entrusted your life to Jesus and you received from him his free gift of salvation, and as you sit here today, you can say with absolute confidence, I know that he has forgiven me of my sin, he has washed away the guilt, he has taken away the shame, he has literally changed me from the inside out, I know that I know that I know that when I die, I'm going to be with him in heaven no matter what day that is, whether it's today or whether it's 20 years from now. Listen, I know I'm going to heaven. As you sit here today, do you have absolute confidence in your salvation in Jesus Christ? That's the first question. Do you know him as Savior and Lord of your life? Here's what the Word of God says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. And the question this morning is, do you know that you're saved? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life? But here's the second question for you. Are you growing in your relationship with Jesus? Or is it just a relationship whereby you got over the line? You're safe. Man, phew, boy, good. I trusted Jesus. I'm good to go. When I die, I'm ready. But are you growing every day? Are, are you doing something more than Sunday? Because listen, if all you're doing is Sunday for your faith, you're not going to grow. We can't carry you through the week. So the question is, are you reading the word? Are you praying? Are you finding ways to, to put your roots deeper into Jesus Christ? And, and let me ask one more question. Are you serving him? Because here's what's so amazing that the moment that you were saved, the Holy Spirit of God came into your heart and life. He witnessed to your spirit that you're a child of God. He adopted you into his family. He adopted you into the church. He transformed you by the power that raised Jesus from the dead. He literally transformed you, gave you a brand new life, right? Okay? And when the Holy Spirit came into you, he brought gifts. Gifts that you can unwrap and use to bless others. And the question today is, when I ask you, are you a follower, are you serving him? When I was doing research for the sermon, I, I looked up the, the definition of follower. And the very first definition, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, a follower is someone who serves another. Are you serving Jesus? Are you using the gifts that God has given you 
to serve other people because that's why he's given them to you. They're not all for you. They're for the blessing of the world around you. Listen, Jesus calls us to follow him. He, he doesn't promise that it'll be an easy road, but he does promise that he will always be with us, give us his help, give us hope, give us power. Secondly, he says, do it now. Act now, don't wait. But finally, Jesus says, and don't look back. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Jesus' point to the third man is simply this. After you commit your life to him, you need to keep your life and your eyes fixed on him. Here's the problem that many of us have. We live divided lives. Our attention, our loyalty is a divided attention and loyalty. And Jesus says, I don't want division. I want all of you. I want you to be wholehearted in your commitment to me. I want you to be true-hearted in your commitment to me. Undivided attention. Keep your eyes on me, not on the world, not on anyone else, not on anything else. Keep your eyes on me. I think it's fascinating that the, the third man says, I want to go home and, and say goodbye to my family. And you know what Jesus does? He immediately switches gears and uses a farming illustration. A friend of ours who's now with the Lord in heaven, Mason Druck, said to me one day, and Mason loved the Lord and he loved the word of God. And some of you are related to him here. And Mason said to me one day, I love Luke 9 because that illustration, it's so true. When you're plowing a furrow, he said, you can't look back. Because listen, if you keep looking forward and looking back, looking forward and looking back, looking forward and looking back, how straight is that furrow going to be? Ken Mech, how straight is that going to be? Yeah, exactly like that. And this is, what, this is what Jesus is saying. You've got to keep your eyes on me if you're going to live the life that I want you to live. On Saturday morning, every Saturday morning when I'm preaching for the weekend, I usually early morning lay out the sermon. I literally lay it out, lay it out on, on my desk at home. And I say, Lord, now you edit this and, and I, think it, I think I'm ready, but, but you know best and you take out what you want to take out, add in what you want to add in, do whatever you want. I had a really busy day yesterday. Funeral for one of our shut-ins in the morning. Burial was up in Hershey. It was going to be a full day. So I laid it all out and I said, Lord, you know, do what you want, edit, but remember I have a busy day, so let's try to minimize the editorial work this morning because I don't have a lot of extra time here. I literally said that to him. I thought, you know, you don't know till you ask, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, he had a different idea. Different idea. So I'm working on this thing at four o'clock in the afternoon after I got back from Hershey trying to do all the things that he wanted done. This is what he reminded me. And I don't know why I didn't think of it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, but he brought it to my mind on Saturday. The unfiltered Jesus in Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22, speaks to the issue of an undivided heart. When he says very boldly, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Because if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out. 
Whoa. Jesus does not want a divided heart. He wants all of us to be fully and completely committed to him. Is that humanly possible? Over the course of our lives, I believe it is. I want to tell you something. As I stand here today, I would lie to you if I said, I am fully and completely committed. To the extent that I know, but you know what? He's constantly showing me areas of my life that have yet to be surrendered. He's constantly taking me to places in my heart where there's a little locked closet that I didn't know about, or maybe I did, and saying, and I want that too. Why is it so important to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus? I want to take you to what is my life verses in the Bible. Life verses meaning that these verses impact me in a very powerful way, and I live by them. And actually, in my funeral arrangements, and I made my funeral arrangements because when I was traveling, I thought that was a good thing to do. So in my funeral arrangements, it says, this will be the text, and I've listed who will preach this sermon. I've listed everything in my funeral arrangements. I have the list of the hymns and the songs and what the food will be at the meal afterwards. And I even included a recipe or two because there were certain things. I never liked mayonnaise-based potato salad, and I liked the cooked dressing, so I said to Jenny, I don't want this, I want that. And she said, you're gonna be in heaven. And I said, what does that have to do? And she said, we'll do whatever we want. I said, okay. <laughs> I don't think Jesus will be happy about that, but that's okay. <laughs> so, interesting conversations. So I want you to read with me my life verses. Hebrews chapter 12, reading together. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured on the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Fixing your eyes on Jesus. Considering Jesus. Why? so you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let me just say something, and you check me on this. The world we live in is a mess. But because I've chosen to be a follower of Jesus, this world is not my home. This world is not my home. I love life, and I love living and I want to live to see my grandchildren graduate from high school, and if they go to college, from college, and I want to be there for their weddings. I told the girls, 
you can wheel me into church when I'm 103, but you know, you're in charge at that point, but I'll still be in charge even though you think you are. I, you know, this is, this is the way I love life. But I recognize this world is not my home. And I don't feel comfortable all the time in this world, do you? Because the values, the direction, the war, and the conflict. But I have a home waiting for me. And if you know Jesus, you do too. And so while we're in this mess of a world, we can still have joy. If we fix our eyes on Jesus, if we consider him, and you know what the promise is? Hebrews 12, 3, it's why this is my life verse. You will not grow weary or lose heart. He will fill you with a deep, settled confidence that he alone is in control of the details of your life. So when I ask you a question today, are you a fan or a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you an enthusiastic admirer of Jesus? You sing, you applaud? Or are you completely committed to Christ? And to the extent that you know you have surrendered your life to him, and you're saying, Jesus, I not only give thanks for the salvation that you've given me, but I want to grow deeply to know and follow you to the very day when I go to home. It's the word of God. Can't be any other way. It's the word of God. Would you bow your heads with me? It is not as simple as a quick prayer, but there are people who are on a journey and in services like this have reached a point in their journey when they realize Man, I need to surrender my life to Jesus and receive his gift of salvation. And if you are here this morning online or in this building, and you are at that point in your journey, and you realize that today is the day when you need to take the step that you've not been taking, and that is confess your sin to Jesus and receive his gift of salvation by confessing him as Lord and Savior of your life, then I invite you today in this place or online to make that commitment and surrender of your life to Christ by praying to confess your sin and receive Christ. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I invite you this morning, are there those here in this place or online who would just raise their hand and simply say, Mike, today's the day I've been resisting this I've been putting it off but today is the day I'm ready to receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of my life are there any in this place with an upraised hand just a quick upraised hand would say 
This morning, I'm ready to receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of my life. Thank you. Any others? With an upraise, thank you. Any others? Then I invite you to pray this prayer. Jesus, I believe that you died for me on the cross, and I believe that you are alive now. Jesus, I confess my sin to you. I know that my sin has separated me from you, and I ask you to forgive my sin today as I turn from my sin and turn to you. Jesus, I believe that you are alive, that God raised you from the dead. And so I surrender my life to you and confess you as Lord. I decide today to follow you, and I receive with thanks your gift of salvation. Thank you for hearing this prayer, for forgiving my sin, for giving me a new and eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Lord, I pray for those who have prayed that prayer here and online, that your spirit would confirm with their spirit that they indeed are saved and children of God. Lord, I pray that you would do such a transformational work that even as they walk out of here, they would know, as one man said a few weeks ago, immediately was overwhelmed by the presence of the Spirit of God. They would know with confidence. Thank you, Father. And for everyone else here who are believers, Lord, show each of us what steps you want us to individually take to grow in our relationship with you to be more faithful followers. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening to today's message and choosing to spend some time with us today. To get more information about Grace Community Church, our service times, and our location, check out our website at gccws.net.